Welcome to the VR Fitness Insiders Podcast for the creators who are building the future of the VR and AR sports and fitness industries that will revolutionize the way the world will play sports, work out, and get fit. With your hosts, Preston Lewis and Ryan DeLuca, the founders of Black Box VR, who are building the world's first full fitness VR gym and bring decades of experience from creating some of the largest fitness technology companies in the world. They're bringing together the best and brightest minds to help you and your company succeed in the VR fitness revolution. Today, we have a digital fitness industry pioneer, Josh Kozak. Josh, thanks for being here. Yeah, it's a pleasure, honored, especially being an early guest. We'll look back on this in a couple of years from now, and this will be bragging rights. Heck yeah, man. Made it. Right. Yeah, and imagine yeah. being one of the first Joe Rogan guests. That's got to be pretty cool. There we go. <laughs> so just to kick it off, why don't you just give our audience a little quick intro to who you are and tell them a little bit about your background. Thank you, Preston. As you said, my name is Joshua Kozak. I've been in the health and fitness industry for 20 years now, but, uh, <laughs> you know, in the last 13 years or so, strictly on the digital side, I was early to exercise streaming back when your main options were DVDs. We started streaming back in like 2010, 2011. That's led to over a billion workouts streamed over the last decade. And then in 2014, we were early partners with Android Wear and Apple Watch and started building smartwatch apps, leveraging the motion sensors in the apps to launch a suite of apps that could track human movement from sleeping to exercise, et cetera. That resulted in acquisition offers from three of the top four smartwatch manufacturers at the time. And then most recently in 2018, partnered with a large healthcare company to start a healthcare slash wellness slash fitness company, kind of the convergence of therapeutic exercise and healthcare. And we sold that in January, 2021. And now I'm looking towards the next frontier, which is why I'm here joining y'all. You've been in so many different parts of fitness and technology and using different technologies. It's just amazing to hear like a billion workouts served. So a billion Coach Kozaks out there, yeah, million workouts. Yeah, I know it's kind of weird, especially because it's like, I don't get to see them face to face. So it's all just shot in a studio with just a couple of people standing there. It's not really until I go out into the real world and get the privilege of meeting some people that are following the workouts that it becomes real. Yeah, no doubt. All your fans. Tell us more about HasFit. Yeah. So a little bit more about like, what is it? How'd you start it? Why'd you start it? Well, thanks to HasFit, I'm officially like an E-list celebrity. I think a little longer and I might qualify for Dancing with the Stars. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I'd be out in the first round, I can tell you that. You know, with Hasfit, we've delivered full-length home workout videos, and we've always used YouTube as a top of funnel, so people find us via YouTube, and then they move downstream to our own products, which is our mobile apps, our smart TV apps, and our website. We really serve just about every demographic and modality you could think of. And so those that don't know it, it's basically streaming workouts with, with Josh and your wife, right? Yeah. My, my wife and I, we lead them together. I got started on my own. So oh, actually before I met her, um, and you know, it's <laughs> funny, the audience was like 90% male at that time. Mm-hmm. Right. And then I brought on her and it was like the perfect yin and yang yeah. combination. And now we're like 50, 50 and it just makes everything better and easier. That's so cool. So awesome. So tell us a little bit more about what you learned. Like you, obviously, like you said, you don't see directly the people that are doing the workouts, but I'm sure you get a lot of feedback. What type of feedback do you get? What have you learned about the fitness consumer? 
through those streaming services. Yeah, a lot, but it's only a 30 minute podcast. So I'm going to try to keep it short, <laughs> try to keep it short and sweet. One of the biggest benefits that we have is really just the connection that we've been able to build with the audience in that they really appreciate seemingly having us being in their living room. It's one of the biggest add-ons that we have. We try hard to be personable and real and not like a fake character putting on a show, but it's like, oh, my legs are actually burning too. Like, oh, it's actually yeah. hard for me. Like, oh shoot, I just sprained my hamstring in the middle of the shot or whatever. So just being real and genuine. But then I think the other thing too, just understanding that so many people have limitations that are getting in their way from exercising. And that could be things like full-time jobs and responsibilities with kids to physical ailments, et cetera. So, you know, we want to live in this world where we feel like, oh, all you got to do is it's easy as stepping out there and hitting the play button. But everybody has all of these things that are constantly pulling at them, pulling them away from being able to accomplish their fitness goals. It is interesting being able to have that connection, like you said, and just knowing that the workout is there, like they just need to press play and do the workout. And you hear from the people that do the workout, but what we don't hear from are the people that didn't press play and they didn't stream yeah. that workout that was there. So it's interesting, like you said, there's so much in people's lives that might hold them back from that. What have you seen that works for that consumer? What doesn't seem to work for them? And more about yeah, I think just from the appeal of having easily accessible home workouts, you know, it removes a lot of the barriers to entry, the ability to say, hey, I don't have to look presentable to go to the gym. I don't have to worry about the commute. We have a lot of young parents, you know, like, oh, I put my child down for a nap and I'm going to hit a quick 30 minute workout while they're asleep in the other room or why they are in the room, I'm going to work out. And so for Hasbitt's audience, it's really about just the easily accessibility and just like being able to play at any time with no excuses whenever they have 10 to 30 minutes in their day. And so the people that are successful are the people that build that habit to look for those moments and get that workout in. So it sounds like you're right there in their living room, you're speaking to the consumer in a really organic, approachable way, which when we looked at your videos in the past, it definitely has that really approachable feeling to it, which I think is great for people. Because I mean, as we know, a lot of people are intimidated by fitness in general. So it's awesome that you've approached the intimidation factor by, by being real on your end, but then also as you mentioned, reducing the friction, which increases adherence and things like that. Super yeah, cool. Exactly. Yeah. It's actually an interesting point too. Sometimes when you see like professional streaming instructors, like Peloton instructors or Apple fitness instructors, people seem to think they have this like perfect life and it's all oh, they have perfect motivation and it's simple for them. And if it was my job to work out all day, then I'd be in shape. And it's yeah. hard to relate to people like that, even though behind the scenes, those people have just as many struggles, if not more than a lot of people, but it's nice to have somebody that seems more real that people can relate to like Preston was saying. And that's one of the things that's wrong with the fitness industry as a whole is there's this misconception that you have to be perfect, that all these people's body is perfect 365 days out of the year. And then if you're not that, why am I even trying? And if I can't work out seven days a week for an hour a time, then what's the point? But that's not real world. That's not real life. Mm -hmm. We've been successful in being more genuine genuine and authentic. I think my, my first like weight set at 13 years old, I've been exercising yeah. since then. I have to like motivate myself and give myself a pep talk. I'm going to work out later today and I'm going to need to give myself a little pep talk before I do it. You dovetailed right into the next question. So I won't spoil that one, but I just want to take a quick moment because our audience is the builders as well, creating these things. So I think one kind of pin to put in it is uh, that note that a lot of creators, when they feel like they want to create something great in this industry, they think that it has to be this crazy high production value. And then speaking of 
friction, not only on the fitness side, but fi- friction on the creator side. You're just like, oh crap, I don't have the cash to get this fancy equipment or the cash to do this crazy studio or whatever. So I think that's the other thing, aside from serving the customer. One of the cool things that it seems you've done with the Hazbit stuff is just saying, hey, I'm just going to use the equipment I have and get it out there as a creator and serve the audience as, as quickly as possible as well. So I think that's a good note to show people that you've really proven the, the lean, rapid production aspect as well. Yeah. Just to follow up with that briefly, I got started with a hundred dollar Canon power shot camera that I picked up. It was like not a camcorder, like a digital camera for those older folks listening that remember those before we had <laughs> smartphones and take They could only shoot 10 minutes at a time. Right. So I would shoot yeah. 10 minutes and then it would go off and then I'd have to restart and put everything back together. All that to say, I think people are coming. If you can be your real self and be someone that they can relate to, they're going to show up for that over quality lighting and 4K yep. video. Yeah, very true. Yeah. So on that note, like we mentioned, what do you see as the biggest problem with the fitness industry today? We kind of mentioned a little bit about the difficulty and the people that seems to be perfect and we're not being as organic as possible, but in fitness in general and current fitness companies, there's a whole bunch of stuff out there. So many streaming services, so many gyms and different types of workouts and different types of equipment and wearables. Like there's so many things, but yet we're more obese and we're more out of shape than ever. And we always Mm -hmm. talk about that stat of 80 plus percent of people aren't able to stick to a fitness program, even with all those options. Why do you think that is? What is the fitness industry? get wrong today? That's a great question, you know, and it's just like you mentioned, I mean, hundreds of millions and billions of dollars going into startups trying to solve this problem and we're not any closer to achieving it. And when I look at the industry and what problems are trying to solve for, they're trying to solve for education and they're trying to solve for like self-quantification or metric tracking, right? Like new trackers, et cetera. But if you actually speak to people, that's not the problems they're experiencing. People aren't not exercising because they don't know it's good for them. By now, everybody knows, like everybody at every corner of the planet, they know they should be exercising. That's not a secret. You know, so the education side, it's like, what are we doing here, folks? And then the self-quantification side really only helps those that are doing everything else right. And that's going to give them like that top two to 5% edge and improvement. And that's great if you're already getting eight hours of sleep at night. You're already eating all the, you're getting all of your nutrition. You're already exercising. You're already getting all of your non-exercise activity in, but that implies to so few people. And so when you actually like start talking to people, it really boils down to like three things. They lack motivation. I, why exercise? Like I don't have the motivation to get started. They lack consistency. They get started and they quit. And then there's no, they're not going for any extended period of time. It's off and on the wagon. That's what I hear all the time. And then quite frankly, they find exercise boring, which is why we're here having this conversation today. It just doesn't interest them. It's like running on the treadmill. The types of modalities that we've put together are not natural for us and our human brain. You know, like, what are we working towards here? And so they all kind of compound into the other overlaying problem, which is it takes a long time to see results when it comes to fitness. So because we're not seeing results, we lose motivation, we lack consistency, and exercise is boring. But those hundreds of millions of dollars aren't going into solving those problems. They're going into like high tech, which is cool. I love tech. I'm a technologist, but I like tech that solves a problem. And I don't think we're solving that problem right now. Good points. Couldn't have said it better. Come down from my soapbox now. I, could, I, could I think we're all on that, that soapbox. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a big I soapbox. There's a lot of room. To transition a little bit, you talked about Hasbit. You were early in the space. You got scrappy with the actual production of things. Rapidly created value for a growing consumer base. You were able to reduce the friction of going to the gym, not even having to go to the gym, but being a gym flash fitness experience in the comfort of your own home. And were you doing this before the P90X days or the same? Uh, P90X had been around, they had launched P90X and Insanity were their two products. Uh, that was okay. before they had a whole suite, you know, at the time it was just the two uh, DVD offerings. Yeah. 
Yeah. So you're creating this content super early. As you mentioned, you're a technologist using the tools you had at your disposal, right? Even if it was a crappy little camcorder or whatever, you just went out and grabbed the tech and, and went after it. And it sounds like, and we'll get into this a little bit later in the show, but you're starting to do that with your next venture. But what kind of started to get you interested specifically in VR and AR and, and some of these other newer technologies that are coming? You kind of alluded to it already, but my methodology all along has been to say what technologies are coming on, what trends are coming on that are what we can leverage to help keep people moving. And, you know, another thing I would add to what you just said about Hasbit is it was bandwidth increase. It was just at that point in time that bandwidth mm -hmm. was fast enough to support streaming video. There's a reason why Netflix started with mail and not yeah. streaming, right? It's like it's, the speeds just weren't there. And so now we're entering another paradigm shift where there are new technologies coming on that have the opportunity to make exercise more fun, right? I see that being the biggest problem when I look back at my experience and what, where I've been and where we are now and where we're headed is what can we do to make exercise more fun? And, you know, VR, AR, and some of the new technologies creating opportunity to not only make it more fun, but then lower that motivation threshold required to get moving. It's just a logical answer and next step in yeah. we can leverage compared to where a lot of people are going right now, just going back to the last question, which is improvement in sensor technology, which is great, but that's only going to help the 5% that are already ever doing everything else right. Do you have any kind of magic moments when you first tried VR and you're like, okay, wait a minute, this is a different tech. This is going to be insanely powerful. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't want to say I will like tear down other people's products, but like when I try VR fitness products, I'm like, hey, this is really cool, but man, I would do this. I would do that. Mm -hmm. I would do this different. And so I think right. for me, it was getting in and then seeing the opportunities on what I was trying to look, steal or borrow, what people were doing right, and then improve on where I think I can improve. What got exciting was when I said, look, here are the VR fitness games and applications mm -hmm. that already exist. And honestly, I think there's so much room for improvement, yeah. but they're already engaging people. So it's like, wow, if they're working right now like this, imagine if X, Y, and Z were to happen. So to me, that's the exciting part is to see like how much is left, right? How much improvement is left. I mean, on that note, like, I think we kind of all agree, right? We used to play certain games like Beat Saber or other kind of similar ones. It's like, there's something really magical that happens in VR, the immersive part of it, and like really being into these experiences. But there does seem to be a missing piece. And what we always kind of talk about is that progression piece, it's game do such a good job of creating those compulsion loops that make you want to come back and you've invested time into this game and you've created things and the personalization and the goal setting, which a lot of the current experiences are pretty one-dimensional. It's just do the workout, do the workout, and oh, there's not much more that connects it all together. Good point. I mean, piggybacking on that too, what you are seeing is of course, everyone goes out there and borrows patterns and learns new things from new games and this, that, and the other. It is interesting to see, we are in the kind of early days of VR fitness, but it is interesting to see a lot of people are going out and fairly tweaking experiences, right? Versus, and again, we'll get into your your stuff, but it's just another kind of slapping and dancing. Yeah, exactly. So really interested to talk about what you got coming up. But last thing on the VR AR side, are there any experiences there that you've seen are the best ones out there specifically for VR AR fitness? Yeah, I promise I'm not being paid to say this. But to me, black box VR is really setting a bar pretty high. Just so it doesn't sound like oh, this is a paid promo, I'm going to articulate in my own words why. So it's the differentiation between a gamified fitness experience versus a fitness driven game. And I think that's a really important distinction because what you see most people in the market doing today is they're just taking normal exercise fitness and then they're adding points, leaderboards and badges to it. But that's not a game. You're gamifying fitness, but it's just still fitness compared to what Black Box VR is doing, which is a game that happens to be driven by the fitness that you're doing. I could play Black Box VR with a controller in a traditional way. 
where you can't say that about most VR fitness games that are just using like normal movements and just adding points to it. So that's what excites me is the potential to take it to the next level and not just be a copycat arm swinger rhythm game like some I of the other projects out there. It definitely wasn't a paid promo, but what's your Venmo again? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, hit you up. You nailed it. I mean, that's, that's what our entire goal from the very beginning is like, how do you make it actually a fun game first that you'd want to play and itch to come back and then add on the fitness aspect to it from there. Make sure it's an effective fitness program, of course, because I'd much rather just play the controller if I'm not going to get the fitness results from it. So you got to make sure that you get both sides. Of course. Yeah, of course. So you got to really have both represented. Yeah. Awesome. So again, you got all this history in the fitness space, a pioneer. You've tried all these VR AR experiences, kind of been gathering these patterns and seeing how you can build your own product. And now you are starting a new immersive fitness company called, is it Ludo? Yeah, Ludo. Yeah. Ludo with a different spelling in Latin is to play. So oh, I just cool. kind of switched up the spelling. I there. was wondering if, if cool. you use that. I want to build the Fortnite of fitness, which, you know, is an ambitious goal, but you don't accomplish large ambitions without having that goal right. to start it's just a mobile fitness game using your body as the controller use a computer vision technology to track your body and the movements that you do and give you credits for those movements and so the play is kind of a mix between an endless runner game and a role player game where you have sessions levels quests and sessions start at five minutes apiece cool we saw the video post i think it was on twitter or something we saw it pop up looks super compelling so why why start with mobile you know, this was like something that I toiled with for quite some time. And right now it's accessibility is yeah. what it comes down to. You know, there's the cost of the VR headsets and then there's still chin sickness challenges for some users. And then the tracking requirements that I need were like early, you know, iPhone one phase of the hardware development life cycle. So for me, I've chosen to get the game out there and be able to provide a very similar experience to what I will eventually be able to deliver in AR. VR, but through mobile and get and accelerate my learning. So this way I can get it out. I can start learning. And then when the time is right, we can port the game over to our VR. And then I kind of alluded to earlier, but the best analogy I have is Netflix strategy, right? I mean, they named the company Netflix. They didn't name it Mailbox Play. That was always the plan, but they had to wait for the technology to mature enough. Started just mail order. And then it was mostly mail order with like a few streaming options. Again, as they waited for bandwidth to catch up. But then when bandwidth caught up, boom, they were in position to take off. So if I were to say what playbook I'm trying to run right now, that's the playbook. Yeah, that's smart. And again, quick point to the audience, all of this creation set in context of what technologies are available. What you're doing is basically you have this idea of, okay, VR, AR is going to be super powerful, kind of lean startup wise, using what you have, learning as quickly as you can to iterate on the experience. That's really smart. So if you want to talk about what problems is Ludo solving for? Yeah, you know, one we talked about before, the low hanging improve, which is the motivation and consistency side, right? Trying to eliminate the cognitive requirements at precise places on individuals at this point in time. But I'll spend just a little longer talking about two others that maybe aren't as obvious. One is young people. In our early customer research, we have a lot of younger individuals that are super interested in what we're doing. And we have a lot of parents of young people interested in signing up on the wait list for their kids because they're like, my kids play too many video games and maybe this is a way I can actually get them to move. And then kids are interested as well. So, you know, like us older fellas that have been lifting weights and doing things a traditional way for quite some time, it's a little harder to teach an old dog new tricks where the newer generation doesn't have established habits yet. So with this young new generation, I don't have to change behaviors that may already exist. And then the other thing that stood out in our research is short bouts of movement throughout the day. Ludo can work two different ways. So again, the levels are five minutes. 
So you can either participate in six back-to-back five-minute levels and do a 30-minute full-body workout. Or if you work from your desk all day, like, you know, the three of us do, right? And like, oh, shoot, my back doesn't feel good. I got five minutes in between meetings. You know what? I want to keep my streak alive. You can turn Ludo on, knock out five minutes, get your points, get your streak going, and get back to your desk. So it also works for short bouts of movement that can be added to somebody's existing workout routine without necessarily having to replace it as well, just to help them get more neat in throughout the day. Smart. So people that will benefit that are would you say kind of the general population or would you say specifically the younger early kind of adopters not having to change their behaviors and things? Yeah. You know, like, I'm a big fan of show me, don't tell me. And yeah. right now I only have tell me data. I don't have show me data, but all of the tell me data says that it's actually a really wide range. We have people on our wait list from 12 years old up to 80 years old. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll give you a stat. 15% of the people on our waiting list are between 60 to 80 years old. So yeah, you know, it's a problem that people have all across the board. And so while, yes, I'm really looking to capture 80% of the people that aren't exercising regularly, the other insight that we've learned is people that are exercising regularly, they don't necessarily love what they're doing. Yeah, they built that habit, but that doesn't mean that they are enjoying it. You know, so they're looking for something to keep it fresh and not boring or additive to what they're already doing, but just to get more movement throughout the day or on offense. True. Good point. Well, so what specifically makes extra gaming so powerful, right? So you're specifically going to extra gaming. What are you seeing as the things that make it so powerful? I kind of alluded to this earlier, but I think it's important to double down on it which is that it's not just adding points, badges on the leaderboard. That doesn't make it a game, if you will. So instead, it's all the behavioral design elements that are going to make that positive impact. It's the craft of deriving all the fun and engaging elements found in games and applying them to exercise so that people are pulled into exercise versus having to be pushed into. You know, it's a key distinction. I mentioned having to go get a session in later. I'm going to have to push myself into that. It's not like being pulled into it like where I'm going to go do a 30-minute Xbox session. Like those are two totally different things. So to me, that's what makes it so powerful. It's that push versus pull. That's such a good point. We talk a lot of black box about the hooked model, how people create habits around new products. And you've probably heard of it, the book by Nier. It kind of made me think about what we talked about earlier with Hathfit is you said, you don't know where they are before they press play on your video, right? Today's video. You only know them when they hit play and they did the workout. And there's not much going in between all of that, right? So hitting play is basically like the action, right? From the hooked model. Then after that, there's got to be a variable reward. And usually with workout streaming services, you do get a little bit of a reward. Obviously, you feel good about yourself and dopamine and endorphins and things like that from doing the workout. But you also get a lot of negative. You get the pain of the workout. You're tired. You sacrifice time. You could have been doing something else. You know, there's the investment that they've given into this and you get something back from it. And a lot of times these streaming services, once again, you might have invested into your tracking, right? So now I've got my streak. I've got some calorie burn in there and I've invested that. And then there's got to be some kind of trigger to bring them back, right? So the whole idea is there's a trigger that brings you back into it games are really good, especially mobile games, right? They're so good about push notification. You need to come back in because you need to do this thing or this timer just got done. Or normal game, you're going to play with your friends or there's a tournament or something fun going on. Doing that action and then getting that reward where it sounds like with Ludo, the goal as with really good extra gaming type of systems is to complete that loop versus just the action phase. How do you feel about that? And have you seen that? That seems to make sense. That aligns with the way I'm thinking as well. I think Nier does some really good stuff. If we're talking about behavioral design, my favorite researcher is you 
Kai Chow, the guts read his actual insights, Actualysis framework. So very similar in that understanding how we can bring people along and really just get people to perform the requirements of the game, which in this case is exercise without having a deep cognitive load about it. You know, the thing I mentioned to earlier, the big problem with exercise is it takes too long to see results. And this way we can get you in and five minutes in, you're seeing results, you're getting points, you leveled up, you went through like three, four achievements, like, oh, I saw results right away. So they're a different type of result, but we're already able to reward. And then the goal is that we get you in long enough where then like, holy cow, wait a minute, there's a whole other result happening with my physical real body here, not just in the app. So we have to keep people hooked, if you will, to use like Nier's word, long enough to see those real world results. And that's the power this type of design enables. That's such a good point. We talk about that all the time. So true because even if you know everything about fitness and eating, it takes so long to actually see results, right? To actually see that dopamine splash of progress. And as you guys are mentioning, video games are the opposite, right? You are in Legend of Zelda or something and you have your little sword and you hit the first little chest and boom, first dopamine. And then being able to not only track that progress, but be able to string those little wins together. I think we're all saying it, but that's what we're also seeing that's the most powerful with extra gaming because even in our personal lives, a family member, right? I have a lot of family members that know we're in the fitness industry and they're like, hey, can you please help me out? And in the past, it's been like, okay, cool. Here's your nutrition plan. Here's what you need to do every single day. And then without a doubt, without fail, two weeks in, they're like, I'm heavier on the scale. What's going on? Because now they're retaining water and they're like, yeah, I get the muscle. Yep. And they don't get it. And to your guys' point, like the extra gaming side of that allows us to shorten those feedback loops and get people hooked to where if they look down, maybe they have their abs coming in and they've actually created a healthy habit. I'm going to take 30 more seconds on this because I can't help myself and just say that our brains 200 years ago were used to long feedback cycles, right? We were farming and we plant the seeds in the spring and we harvest in the fall. Like we're used to things taking a long time. Everything takes a long time. I've been hunting for a week and I haven't caught anything because I only catch something once every 10 days and then I get some meat, whatever, right? That's the way we were programmed. But now more than ever, even the difference in three to four years from Instagram being the number one top dog to TikTok being the number one top yeah. dog. Even that is like an instant gratification change, right? It's just faster and faster and faster. So the way that we're wiring all of our brains inadvertently is not set up for success when it comes to expectations on exercise. Great point. Well, we covered a lot of great stuff up today. Really appreciate it. But I'd like to finish up with where do you think VR, AR, fitness, extra gaming, where is it going to go in the next three to five years? And what's next for you and Ludo? I think really hopefully as we kind of allude to moving past just rhythm games and moving into more full-fledged games. Developers are going to start using all the tools that they have accessible to them to evolve those fitness VR experiences. And then I think as this is called great land grab, new land grab that always happens with any new technology, every exercise modality will be represented and gamified some way, right? There's going to be a Pilates VR game. There's going to be the yoga. There's going to be the hit. So the individual modalities will start being represented. The game can add value to that modality. So I see that really expanding. And then again, along with the adoption of VR, our headsets, technology adopts in parallel to it. And so what does that mean for Ludo? Well, Ludo right now is in obviously the early learning phases and we're trying to understand exactly how we can leverage these game mechanics that we've been talking about to get people moving with mobile and then expanding to AR and VR experiences. I see an opportunity for both of those. Again, leaning towards the home user individual with limited to no equipment, just making it the lowest barrier to entry, make it as accessible as possible. And for those that want to check it out, learn more, you can go to get Ludo. That's get 
L-O-O-D-O.com to join the waitlist. Awesome. That's so great. That's all the time we had. We went a little bit over, but that's great stuff. Really appreciate you being here. And to our audience, as you know, we'll put the URL you mentioned, Josh, in the show notes, as well as any contact information to get in touch with Josh. Thanks again for being yeah. here. Yeah, really appreciate it. Yep. You get this in a way that I think everybody's going to get it soon, right? Video games, the psychology of video games and these new technologies that allow us to use those technologies for fitness and uh, make sure you get that Venmo about the nice word you said. About yeah, the I'll get that over to you. All right, yeah, make sure. It's been a pleasure, <laughs> all. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Josh. Thanks for listening to the VR Fitness Insider Podcast. Do you know of anyone that should be on our show or have feedback? Don't forget to email us at podcast at vrfitnessinsider.com and follow us at VR Fitness Insider on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. You can also join our Discord channel. Until next time, keep creating and dreaming up the next big thing that will revolutionize the world of fitness.